Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. More stories you are not going to believe. And advice that you didn't know that you needed. Five stars. Five and a half stars. We're creating a legacy one call at a time. Here comes my daddy. Your problem is, is that you like me. <laughs> my dad is my hero. I'll always be there to take your call and you'll never be in too much trouble if your dad is around. Oh boy. Hey, hey, hey. I think I'm a pretty cool dude. Better call daddy. The safe space for controversy. This is your host, Rena Friedman Watts. No, this is your host, Celia Watts. More inspirational stories, more daddy drama, and more laughs. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. (laughs) Today's guest has got a lot going on. She's a boy mom, dog mom, fit over 40 mom, and a natural pro figure athlete two-time pro-universe champion, host of Subculture Live, and she even creates content with her dad. Samantha Feenberg, welcome. I want to talk about like your journey as yeah. a content creator, though. I mean, you've got this huge event coming up. Let's talk about that. Okay, so I got into live streaming, and the funny part with all of it is I started doing it before COVID. It was an idea that I had because I wanted to be able to bring the sport of natural bodybuilding like beyond just the people that were in the venue. I wanted it to have more positive exposure. So live streaming was this idea I had because I used to be a promoter. I used to be a show promoter. Anyway, so getting back to live streaming, I was ahead of the curve once COVID hit, right? Because I had already dipped my feet in it. I had already started learning it. And I've always been kind of an audio video nerd. And that goes back to my childhood. I did like the morning announcements and, you know, all of that stuff as a kid. I totally geeked out, loved that stuff Uh, to a point where my parents thought I was going to stay in Orlando and go to some type of like director, like audio producer type school where I would learn more about it and kind of make a career out of it. But anyway, that didn't happen. So once I realized where live streaming was going and how you could literally be your own like producer director and create content. I got really excited and I dipped into it. And my husband, bless his heart, <laughs> supported this whole thing. And it's kind of grown. But this show that I have coming up in June, it's a it's called the Florida Pro, the Florida State Natural. It's one of the biggest body natural bodybuilding shows in Florida. And I'm good friends with the promoter, which as a content creator, you can sympathize it's easier to create when you have two minds or when you think of something and you can have somebody send you like graphics or material or kind of make the idea come to life. So I love working with him because he's able to bring, help me bring all my ideas to life. Even to the point where last weekend we went to the venue together just to, so I could see it, so I could get a feel for it. Where's my media table gonna be? Where am I gonna set up my cameras? How big is the stage gonna be? So, you know, weeks leading up to the event, I can already start creating and processing like how this is all going to be laid out. So it's exciting. I'll have uh, six cameras going. I have a commentary team. So the, the thing with the live stream, it's not just watching it. We are broadcasting it live and adding in commentary, like colorful commentary, keeping it positive and light and informative and adding in storylines. What a lot of people don't know about me is I'm a big wrestling fan. One of the main components to wrestling is commentary. That's what brings all of that to life. So if we can try to 
you know, bring a little bit of that into natural bodybuilding. That's my whole idea with it. Is the, so audio, which is funny that we were just having a problem with audio because that is the bread and butter of my live stream is the audio. I love to be able to bring that. And, and there's an interactive message board. So we're interacting with the viewers as well, which is awesome. So if you can't be there, at least you can be like, go number 44. And we can say, hey, you know, Molly's cheering for number 44, you know, and keep them involved or keep them excited about it. Where last year at this event, I actually did trivia. And if the family members and friends answered the trivia, the athlete that they were watching and cheering for got a prize. So we would run backstage and give them a goodie bag. And they were like, what's this? I'm like, well, Aunt Lucy in Minnesota got the trivia question, right? So you just want a goodie bag, right? So that kept the audience really engaged and having a good time and just kind of like put a smile on everyone's face. Oh my so, God. I just like, yeah. I just That's like so to, much you know, fun. Think outside of the box. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I know that you started lifting at like 14 years old. Yes. Was your dad an influence in that? Absolutely. So he was a bodybuilder and growing up, we didn't have these fancy gyms in central Maine, especially back in like the eighties. So if my brother and sister who were also, my sister was a cheerleader. My brother was involved in sports and they were older. If they were busy. My dad just took me to the gym with him and I would sit in the corner or sit on the floor or sit somewhere in the gym and kind of take in all the atmosphere. Or I'd have a little coloring book or he'd hand me a couple little two pound weights. And I mean, it was like, you know, and everybody would come over and say hi and try to like entertain me between sets. And that was my experience with the gym growing up. So it was a natural transition for me because I was already comfortable. The gym wasn't like a scary place for me. It was like a cool place. I got to go with my dad when, you know, no one was home to watch me. Got me in the gym at 14, not to be a bodybuilder, of course, but just for sports. You know, he always said it's going to help you be bigger, faster, stronger. And it was just my love for strength training was born at that moment. Yeah. Wow. Loved it. Yeah. I still love it. That's so cool. Did your love for yeah. wrestling begin around the same time? Yeah. So that's a funny story. I actually followed a fitness model. Her name was Trish Stratus and she was in all of like these fitness magazines. There's Robert Kennedy fitness magazines. They used to read when I was younger. I had a roommate, probably let's see my early twenties. He watched wrestling and I was watching it one night and I'm like, Oh my gosh, that's Trish Stratus. She's a fitness model. I follow. And like, from that moment on, I loved wrestling, but cause there was suddenly there was like a, you know, there was a connection between the two. So I've been following it ever since. And then my husband now is a huge wrestling fan. So it works. <laughs> Have you tried yeah. to like incorporate any of those tactics into your shows that you do? I have. And I say this all the time. I always use wrestling as a reference because it's just their promos, their storylines. You know, when we, we go to a lot of live events, we sit ringside at a lot of live events. And I look around, not I'm knocking anybody, but I'm looking at the demographics here. And I'm just thinking like, they're like selling the farm to be here and sitting in these seats. Like these are hardcore fans. How do you create fans on that level? What is going on here where these people are doing whatever it takes to come to these events and spend money and buy merchandise, you know, and dump money into the sport? 
And I always pick my husband's brain because not only is he a huge wrestling fan, he's an incredible businessman as well. So I say, how do we bring that into bodybuilding? He goes, Sam, it's the storyline. He goes, people love the drama. They love the good versus evil. He goes, it's, it's hard, you know? And we played with that a little bit last year on a podcast that I do where I kind of got... The, the athletes, I called it called out, where the athletes would sort of call each other out. And it was all kind of written before the show, sort of scripted. So they knew somebody was going to pop on, I would have like people come on anonymously, but it really wasn't like people The people coming on knew what was going on, but the viewers didn't. And it went over really well. And no feelings were hurt, like I said, because it was all kind of scripted, very much like wrestling. <laughs> I would love to see that continue. You just have to have people that understand the marketing behind it and aren't going to get their feelings hurt and see the bigger picture and that it's to help grow the sport and to help bring fans into our sport because they're the ones that really are what make money, help the promoters make money, help the athletes build their brands and help just the industry as, as a whole. So it's fans. It's all about creating fans. Yeah, that's such a good transition into something else I wanted to talk to you about. So not only how do you create fans, but I feel like there's a lot of people that want to create their own show, want to create their own podcast, want to get into YouTubing. And the first thing that they say is, how do I monetize? Yes. Funny that you bring that up because I just had a rant about that today. It's hard, guys. Like, it's not easy. It's grind, 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 especially YouTube. Once you start getting playing around with YouTube, it's you have to learn the platform. Every platform is different. And that's another thing people don't understand. Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, they all have their pros and cons, and they all target a different market, and they're all extremely different. And they don't all necessarily integrate. You might have 10,000 followers on Instagram. That doesn't mean as soon as you start a YouTube channel, all of those followers are going to follow you on YouTube. It just doesn't work that way. You have to play the analytics game. I actually have like books, you know, that I read and I study and I'm constantly learning and quality guys. There's so much out there and the market is so saturated. If you are going to bring something to the table, do your homework and bring quality, you know, make it high quality, keep it interesting, keep your audience engaged. You know, there's just a lot. I get a little angry when I see, I do, I get a little angry when I just see people think it's so easy and they're just kind of slapping something together and there's very little thought behind it. And then, like you said, they're like, when am I going to make money? And it's like, first you're going to pay your dues, just like with anything else. And I still haven't figured out the whole YouTube thing completely. I've learned it, but I haven't applied everything I've learned because it takes time. It really does. Now, with my channel, with my father's channel, it's much more successful because of the little niche. He's a bobcat and bear hunter. You know, it's, it's very tiny. And he has a very loyal following. I have so much fun managing his channel. If we don't post for a while, they're reaching out to us. They want to know if we're okay. Like they're, they know all of his dog's names. They know where they are in their training. Like they ask really good questions and they're, they're just engaged. And that's like, that's the goal of any YouTube channel is to have that kind of following. So I envy my dad's YouTube channel, which I'm actually heading up there next week. And we're going to do a whole week of content 
content creating where I will be there to film, put a mic on them. And that's where we up the quality is when I'm there and we're able to work together versus him trying to collect footage and send it to me and me piece it together through editing. So next week is going to be so much fun for us. Oh my God. I love that you create content with your dad too. I know. I know. I know. I, I love that. I was telling my husband about that today because I sent him the link and he goes, better call daddy. He's like, what kind of show is this? And I was like, no, like her dad comes on at the end and kind of gives his two cents and it's really cool. So yeah. Oh my God. Has your dad ever given like a final thought or does he give you his advice or commentary? Uh, Not on any of my content, but I do on his. So sometimes he'll do like a show and then I'll pop in at the end and I will say, thanks guys for watching subscribe to the channel and you know I'll leave so the hunters love to see my face and they know that my dad and I create everything together so they're like when is Samantha going to be back in the video or we do uh, lives on his YouTube channel so I would love to do this with you one day I do remote vodcast where I bring him into my software and I'm managing the stream and I'm reading the questions and he's just answering them so again it's that interaction with his YouTube with his YouTube following you know it's live we come up with a topic and I just manage it but they love to just see like the daughter and the father together kind of doing the live but that's something that can't be replicated because you're all's relationship and the way that you guys interact and engage people it probably reminds them of their own family right it's so authentic right yeah oh my god I want to know like what kind of questions they ask him Mostly training. So he is big on training his hounds. And that is a area where a lot of the young, it's a dying art. So the few young houndsmen that are getting into it, that's like their biggest question. They want to know about breeding. They want to know about how to train their hounds. It's very specific there in Bobcat. It's very interesting. I know more about hunting now than I probably ever should or any person should know. It's a very interesting sport, a very detailed sport. A lot goes into training these hounds. They get a lot of hate from uh, animal lovers and things like that. But these houndsmen put so much time, money, and energy into their dogs. Just one story. There's one episode where it looks like the dog is going to get hurt. And then I cut it. Obviously, the dog doesn't get hurt. There was a gunshot, but I can't put that on YouTube. So I cut it. And then we cut back to the bobcat on the ground. They're like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe he let his dog go in there. He probably got beaten up by the bobcat. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's the last thing these hunters want is their hounds to get hurt like that's the very last thing I was like no dogs were hurt in the filming of this video and and to be honest hunting isn't my thing I don't like the killing of the wild animals but in all fairness this is my dad's hobby it has been since he was a young kid and I look at all of the things that my dad has sacrificed throughout his life to make my dreams come true and to give me everything that I have ever wanted so if this is like a little way that I can give back by helping him manage this channel then that's that I'm very happy doing that. And I love doing it. So I love that you said it's kind of fulfilling your dad's dream in some ways, giving him a legacy. Like it can be something that you share with your child that your dad is passionate about. Yeah, it's cool. It's cool scrolling through the YouTube channel and just seeing everything that's been documented over the last like three years. 
And I'm sure too, because I, in just this short time of doing the show with my dad, have really noticed my dad come out of his shell to be able to express himself more like philosophically. And sometimes he gives answers that I never would have expected. <laughs> yes, I agree. I agree. And it's fun for me to see him sh- yeah, sharing that with his followers and to see them just eat it up. Wow. I saw on your Instagram that you got him a rosary in Italy. Is he from Italy? His grandparents are from Italy. So he grew up in New York. You know, they all grew up on the same street. They all lived in like their duplex houses together. And so, yes, very, very Italian family. And also, Lily had a question for you too. She wanted to know. Absolutely. It's funny. I've gotten like guests that are friends and I actually love when one story leads to another. So we can just give a little bit background on Lily. Lily has like a rare form of muscular dystrophy. And I thought it was so cool that you wove her into, she has been on stage for a bodybuilding competition. She's also a world record holder now for climbing the highest. I know. I forgot the name of where she ran. I think it was Runyon Canyon. Was it? Was it my Everest? The series was called. Yeah. Yeah. So she just climbed in California. Yeah. I just love like how her story fit into bodybuilding and getting on stage and mental strength and all of that. I loved the whole episode. And she wanted to know about mental training and preparing for a show. What are the hurdles? What are the barriers? And do you have any techniques? Yes. Getting on stage is mentally tough. There is no question about it. It's also as as mentally tough as post-show. And that's what we're starting to see come into light more amongst competitors is seeing the emotional and mental hardship. It's hard after a show. You see your body changing. You know, you can't stay that lean all of the time. You work so hard for one specific goal and suddenly it's it's over, it's done. And there's like a void. So people are starting to talk more openly about that. But just the process of getting on stage, I think that it's a little easier because you do have that singular goal, your focus. The hardest hurdles to overcome are the outside influences. And you'd be shocked at how much of it comes from friends and family who just don't understand what you're trying to accomplish. And they're not trying to be nasty. They're not trying to discredit you. They just don't understand. And it can get a little uh, tricky at moments. So that's the hardest hurdle is overcoming just all the outside noise and just staying focused. Yeah, totally. It's funny when you said that there's a void afterwards, that kind of reminds me of like working in reality TV, because a lot of these reality stars like have the spotlight when they're on this show and they're getting all of this attention and they're going to all these parties. And when the show doesn't get picked up or when the spotlight is not on them anymore, there is a lot of mental health struggles after. I can understand that. And I'm sure (laughs) with some of these competitive athletes too, I mean, you can't do it forever. It's funny. So my son, you know, he's 13 and he's getting into lifting weights (laughs) and physique and his question or what he wanted you to speak to was, do males have an advantage because of testosterone? Absolutely. Especially at that age, I would say take advantage of those spike testosterone levels. (laughs) And I mean, like my son's right at that cost, he's 12 and. I try to make sure he at least drinks one protein shake a day. I know that sounds silly, but his body is naturally building muscle. So I just feel like, uh, you know, they're athletic and they're moving and they're doing things, but I just want to make sure he gets that extra protein. I mean, 
that's all I do, that's, you'd be shocked at what that will do to help him with just his muscular growth, you know, just that protein, putting it to good use. Because, you know, my son plays soccer and he's constantly moving and training and they're doing sit-ups and push-ups and, you know, just using their own body weight at this age is enough. My son will use 10 pound dumbbells once in a while with me because I'm about form and executing it properly and things like that. So I'm training him that it's not about going to the gym and see how much you can bench and blow out your shoulder and ruin your, you know, ruin your joints before you're 30. Like teaching him all of the right things now. So he'll be able, like me, like I was taught all of the right form, how to train, everything flawless right? I have no professional training as far as in the gym. It was all taught to me by my father at a very young age. I have no injuries to this day. I'm 43 years old. All of my parts are working, you know? I want, that's always something I want to express to people is this sport is lifetime if you do it right. But yeah, that would be my recommendation to him is just be conscious of your diet, really. Uh, A little extra protein. I don't care what they eat, sugar, fats. I don't monitor any of that for my son. I just make sure he gets a little 30 extra grams of protein a day. I feel like that's what I can do for him right now. Wow, I love that. Also, (laughs) I want to know how can I get abs like yours over 40? I know you've been at it for a long time, so I don't know if it's possible. Yeah, you know, they joke about it. You know, abs are made in the kitchen and there is some truth to that. You know, it's everybody has them. It's just being able to see them, right? So it's body fat. It's getting down to that level of body fat where the abs start to show. And of course, you know, my trick from a young age always was, well, if they're a little thicker, then they'll protrude <laughs> a little sooner with a little more body fat. So fortunately for me, even with probably 25% body fat, maybe even a little more, I can still see my abs, but that's been years of muscular training them. I've never been afraid to build those muscles. Of course, we're talking about like our abs, not like our obliques, because you don't want to look boxy. So again, that's the bodybuilder in me is always building the muscles that are going to accentuate my physique and bring out the best proportions that I'm trying to achieve. You know, it's always a, that's always a trick, right? At a young age, everybody laughs about this. The ab wheel, it's probably still around. It's just a little ab wheel. I had one in my room. I used it every night. I'd go front, I'd go to the side. And that little ab wheel got a really bad rap because people were injuring their shoulders. But that goes back to proper form. If you were using it the correct way and watching your form and keeping your core tight and all of the things you're supposed to do that's $15 ever I still use it to this day what is your workout routine and then I want you to talk about your definition of bodybuilding versus powerlifting I mean there's like all these terms What's the difference? Yeah, yeah. So powerlifting is a strength sport. So they're going in there and they're trying to do the bench, squat, and deadlift are the three main move power movements that they are scored on. Bodybuilding, the difference is we look strong, but we're not necessarily very strong. It's all about aesthetics. For me, lifting heavy has never been part of my training. I don't lift super heavy, even though when I get very lean and I'm 102 pounds way back in the day here, no, <laughs> I look very strong. But to be honest, that's when I'm my weakest. So it's all an illusion with bodybuilding. But powerlifters, like they're the real deal. Like they are strong. We might say they look a little chubby, but those men and women are strong. But being in a caloric deficit is not going to get them that those strength gains that they need, that muscle that they need to build. So yes, they may have a little extra body fat, but yes, they are strong. Wow. Yeah. What is your daily workout routine? 
So for me now that I'm not competing for shows, you know, it's all about maintenance. It's all about just moving my body, keeping things where they need to be. I like to go to the gym versus working out at home. I get too distracted at home. So I do like to go to the gym. I will use machines, free weights. Like I said, it's just a second home to me. It's very comfortable to me. Put the headphones on and just don't overthink it. I think that's the problem too. There's so much information on social media. I think people get intimidated and they overthink it just to get to the gym and just start moving start lifting weights I'll go in with a plan and I might change it as soon as I get there because I see some clown on the piece of equipment that I wanted to start on and I'm like no big deal I'll train legs today you know what I mean it's like don't be afraid to bob and weave just have fun with it when you're there don't be so serious about it I train very intuitively I have tried to teach that to all of my clients as well so to get the best results If you're going into the gym and you have a busy schedule that day, but it's leg day, don't train legs that day. Do a quick shoulder workout because it's going to be effective. It's going to fit into your schedule. Train legs a different day. Like, don't be afraid to switch things up. That's how you get the best results. You show up to the gym and you're still a little sore. You're supposed to train chest. Well, don't train chest. You're not going to have the best workouts. You're not going to have the best benefit from that workout. Do something different that day. And that's what I try to like teach people. Listen to your body. Certain body parts recover quicker than others. Maybe you can hit that body part twice a week. You know, always get a bob and weave with what your body's giving you. Does that make sense? I feel like that applies to content creation too, though. Yeah. Truthfully, I mean, there's content creation ideas probably all over the gym. Like, don't get angry at the people that want your machines. But do you pay attention to what you're getting engagement on? Or are you trying to hammer home your own agenda? Both. I think a little bit of both. Some things I want to pay attention to the to the analytics and other things I just I'm delivering a message and hoping that it reaches the people I'm targeting. And I use all platforms. Sometimes I'm on Instagram. Sometimes uh, I prefer YouTube and Facebook because I can use my third party software and I can make things look a little fancier and more professional. But sometimes Instagram is just that quick, rough around the edges message that I want to deliver. So it's both. It's both for me. And can you brag about like some of the things that you've gotten to experience because of your dedication to the sport? So last year was a pretty remarkable year for me because I, I did get to host the Jimmy Repeat reality show that was six athletes were selected to participate in this reality show. And they were all competing in the Mr. America competition in October. So the whole reality show kind of led you up to that Mr. America day. And I got to be selected to host it, which was so much fun because I envy you on that end of it. I love the production side of things. So I was able as a host, you know, I'm the last they they care about. So the whole day I get to kind of watch the production unfold. I get to just hang out with the production crew and listen and share things with them. And I talked about live streaming and they were actually really impressed with the whole setup and what I do. And they said, that's kind of like where things are going. You know, people aren't walking around with their red cameras anymore. But I loved that behind the scenes part of it. So that was really fun for me. And then I got to do the live commentary for the Mr. America, which was amazing. Amazing. Michael Hearn was the host and I was the co-host. You know, my son loves him. What? <laughs> he's going to freak out. Yeah. So that was really fun. Talk then, more about you know, that. That is crazy. <laughs> 
the, the ironic part was when we did the live commentary, we were in remote places. So he kind of like did his part and I did mine. But just to be on the show next to him as the two voices of the Mr. America was really cool. That's legendary. So exciting. (laughs) I get that because I love production people too. Like those are my people, you know, you just totally relate to them on a different level. And I love seeing it come together from like everything that you shoot, like what's going to be used. Yes. I totally geeked out on that last year because I was there watching it all. And yeah, to see the final edit was, was really cool. And they knew that the production crew knew I was a total nerd about that stuff because I was asking good questions, you know, and they could tell I had some knowledge of what was going on. Yeah. And you said earlier that like, you've read some books, are there any laying around or is there anything that you recommend that has been helpful to you in your content creation? This little guy right here, the YouTube for I have that one, but I haven't gotten through it. It's like you're kind of reading it and it's like, oh yeah, uh uh-huh. Oh, it's like a no brainer, but, but it makes sense. It's so easy to read and really helps you with the understanding of YouTube and putting all the parts together. But I very much enjoyed this book. YouTube is such, you can learn anything on there. Any question I've had, I put my entire setup together and I learned it all through YouTube because it was a lot of da- I don't work. This is my job. Like, so I had a lot of downtime and when I want to learn something, like I dive into it and I want to learn everything about it, especially audio. I wanted to be able to nail my audio, which is funny. I, I'm using earbuds now, but... <laughs> that was going to be a big part of my live stream production. And so I really dove into that, but yeah. I love too, that you shared on your Instagram that you were tested for steroids and that it wasn't found present because since you have gotten so fit, I'm sure you're asked that a lot, whether you're natural or natty or whatever the terminology is. I mean, even when my son saw your pictures, he was like, there's no way she's natty. That's great. No, I, I, I'm a lifetime natty. And, and the reason, because it's been offered to me since I was 19 years old, because I was in gyms, you know, I worked in gyms, I started working in a gym when I was in high school. So it's been there, it's been available to me for, for as long as I can remember. And I used to always say no. And the only reason I would say no, is because I was super cocky. And I was like, I don't need drugs. <laughs> I was like, I can do it natural. And I'm so I'm kind of grateful for that old Samantha and her hockeyness because it kept me, you know, natural. And of course, as I got older, I wanted to stay natural for different reasons because I knew the, you know, the side effects and all of the, the, the negative things that could happen from taking those drugs. But when I was young and stupid and probably would have, I didn't because I was just too cocky, too arrogant. I, don't I mean, drugs. it can cause organ failure. It's bad, but it's a whole different ballgame for women. You really do lose a lot of femininity, changes your voice. You know, you get the brow, you get the, you know, the exaggerated jaw. Like there's just a lot of things that change. There's a lot of other things that change as well, but <laughs> you have to really be wanting to go down that road. And I don't recommend it for anyone because you can do so much. And there's so much more in the natural world, like as far as shows and exposure, really great things are happening for natural athletes. So if you're young and you're getting into bodybuilding, I encourage you to stay natural and stay on that path because in the long run, there's gonna be so many more opportunities for you. I am curious how you've watched the industry change from when you got into it until now, what are like the things that stick out the most? There's been some positive changes. I would say 
that more divisions have opened up, right? So there used, when I first started competing, there was women's bodybuilding and there was women's fitness. Those were the only two divisions. Of course, I competed in high school as a bodybuilder. Remember, I thought I was all that. And <laughs> but so it's evolved because there's so many more divisions that have been opened up. So just for the women, as an example, now you have bodybuilding, physique, figure, and bikini. And those kind of go down in muscularity. So it's really opened the door for more of like the gen pop to become part of the sport. And you don't have to, you don't have to be overly muscular to participate. So that part, I think, has been a win for the sport because it allows more people to be part of it. Same with the men's side. There's more divisions that have been added, bringing more people into the sport. So there's been some really positive changes. But if you're talking like on the ISDB pro level, it, it is sad to see the, the drug abuse and just kind of like that more is better mentality because it's, it's dangerous. It is. What do you yeah. think could be improved? I think that we talk about this all the time amongst like ourselves, but it starts with the judging. So what is being rewarded? If you're rewarding the freaks, then, then they're going to bring freaky, right? So you want to see more feminine, less muscular women in these divisions, and you need to start rewarding them because as an athlete, what do you do? You look at the year the year prior, you look at the winners and then they say, okay, that's what they want. That's what they want. That's what I'm going to try to emulate. So it starts on the very bottom level is who is being rewarded. And that's where change happens. I love all of that. Okay. I want to give you a chance to promote away. Talk a little bit about your YouTube oh. channel and the culture <laughs> that you have created. Subculture Live. That's the name of my brand. Subculture because natural bodybuilding is it is bodybuilding, but it's a subculture within, you know, all of bodybuilding because I love the whole sport and I never judge people for the choices that they make, whether they decide to go the enhanced route or the natural route. But, you know, I do cater to like the natural athletes. Subculture was born. I like to interview athletes. I like to highlight them, give them exposure. And then of course my live streaming, which is, a work in progress. I think I may have outgrown the industry so quickly because my setup is so elaborate and it's so overdone, like everything that I do, that it's expensive. It's, I don't want to say it's expensive, but I see value in what I bring to the table. So I have to ask for that. You know what I'm saying? And I'm lucky that there's a few promoters out there that see the value <laughs> because we're not talking just the live stream. There's so much post edit that can be done with the footage that I collect. You know that. That's the bread and butter. That's the gold. That's the real gold is what you're able to use from the footage. So there's the live streaming. Um, I also just started on Amazon as an Amazon influencer. I've started moving up that chain pretty quickly. And that's really exciting for me because I get a chance to like talk about the book, talk about the microphones that I have. I just get to talk about things that I use in my workflow that I love. So not really, it's not like a hard sell. It's just talking about things that I like and I want to share with you. And if it's a product that you're interested in, it's so much better to hear somebody who uses it in the field and has experience with it versus reading a bunch of crazy reviews. So the whole Amazon live thing, it's brilliant. I spend a lot of time watching it too, following my own influencers that talk about things that I'm interested in and I'm buying products and things here and there. So that's been something new. I'm dipping my feet in and I'm enjoying it so much. And then, uh, yeah, 
that's, that's it. That's I love all I'm... of that. I definitely want to talk to you more about that and any links yeah. that I can put in the show notes to the products that you love. We'll yeah, put it in this episode. Sure. We'll totally do that. And <laughs> the thing that I love to end with, and you can either give me some of your daddy's wisdom, or you can ask my dad a question. Yeah. So I would like to ask your dad, what his thoughts on social media and youth today? Because we, you and I, we didn't have the social media that we do now. And I can't imagine the pressures. What goes through these, like, even the young girls, right? Let's relate me, myself, you and your daughter, right? She has a whole different issues to deal with, I think, with being that age and exposed to social media in a whole different way than we were. I mean, for us, I don't know, it was MTV. Like, that was like, that was the poison in my day. My parents were like, that is poisoning your brain. <laughs> and now I look back and I'm like, mom, dad, it really wasn't that bad <laughs> compared to what kids are exposed to now. I would like to ask him what his thoughts are on just social media and the youth today and what he thinks about it. Yeah, that's a great question. And what I think about it. And definitely something that he and I talk about. I mean, my own daughter has got about 200 drafts that she would love to publish on TikTok that I will not let because- right you know, she's 11. She's cute with filters and predators and the moves that she can do at 11. I'm like, no way. I know. Well, Zach has a YouTube channel, but he doesn't show his face. Same with my older son. Yeah. Same. You know, I think it's fine to like do the gaming and be part of these scrims and like a whole community. And I think it's cool that he knows how to navigate that. And I think that that's important for kids today to know how to use technology, but as far as showing their face and being track downable, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. I'm scared of that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people and kids are mean, you know, I, I worry about that too. I worry about the bullying and cyber bullying and, you know, kids, Oh, you have a YouTube channel. He came home the other day and someone said his Jordans were fake. What are you talking about? Your Jordan? They said this little mark right here is not supposed to be there. Oh, who's looking that closely at your sneakers? Luckily he's like not super sensitive, but I'm glad he brings those type of things to my, that's, to me, that's bullying. Like for a kid just to be like, you're wearing fake shoes. Why would you say that? To, even if he was not, why would you say that to a kid? What if he was a child who was underprivileged and couldn't afford $150 Air Jordans? Why would a kid say that to that to another little boy and hurt his feelings? Like things like I'm so sensitive to stuff like oh, that. Oh, I am too. And one thing kids. I really I loved kids. about your messaging even was show your imperfections, show your flaws, show your journey. Like I think that yeah, in your 40s you're a lot more capable of doing that. Yes. Thank you so much. This was so much fun. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Now let's switch it over to grandpa. You know, it's really funny. We call our show the Better Call Daddy Show, but you got a little competition here because Samantha looks like she's got a Better Call Daddy Show as well. It only goes to show you that with her question at the end is what do you think about young people and the internet? And she brought up with you, even the cyber bullying and how you still have to be very careful with these new tools. And yet, as you know, from your own podcast and reaching out to people, and she's reaching out to people, not only in her show and exercising, but also where her father is running a podcast 
and showing his experiences of hunting and has quite a little show himself and where he's found a niche of getting out the message of something that he loves to do. And isn't that what is so great about the internet and this new tool of being able to really set up with the kind of iPhones that we have and where a show can be put together? I think it is really cool that she's overlapping what she loves to do with what he loves to do and they're building together. And another important part of that is, is that she's not necessarily a fan of chasing down wild animals. It's not necessarily her thing, but she wants to still participate and do what her father loves. So the truth of the matter is, is that it's not where it's a competition where I want to do what I just want to do, Dad. She's willing to participate in what he wants to do as well. And she has also gotten that wrestling background, that working out background, which is what her father likes to do as well, that she picked up on and says, you know, I have a passion and love to do it also. So a lot of the examples that your parents do, good or bad, they don't have to choose everything that you want them to do, but they might choose one or two things, whether it's acting or playing chess or studying science or being part of music. Or as you know, in our family, we have a lot of people that would like to be on the stage. Okay. And having that variety of interests, maybe your daughter or maybe your son picks up something that you also like. And when you participate with something that your father is doing or your mother is doing, I think it really is that mentorship that everyone is searching out for, is to be able to do something that your family really likes to do and enjoys. The other interesting point about that is, is that she wants to be able to have a show that she's not only real, like we'd like to think that we are on the Better Call Daddy show, but she has to love what she's doing. And she wants to be able to not have set rules or guidelines. She wants to be able to speak on the fly. She wants to be able to react to situations without having a set schedule or a set theme where she can be able to explore with people what they're passionate about as well and add to her story with others. Isn't that a great formula? It's led to incredible things for her as well. And the more you do things naturally, the more things that you do compassionately, enthusiastically, and positively, then you're going to get not only good results, but you're going to be with people that are going to enjoy what you're doing. And the more people that enjoy what you're doing, that's how you build a following in your podcast and in your word of mouth, because you become more consistent and more knowledgeable because you've acquainted yourself with many, many people and you get many, many different points of view will make you a better person. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 